0: 21st century, global news is bigger, faster, more complicated, and frankly a whole lot scarier than ever. It's hard to know which stories to pay attention to, or how to make sense of it all. Don't worry too much though, because we got you covered. We're international relations PhDs, and we're here to deliver a lighthearted dose of context and analysis to your podcast app, week after week. We're decoding global politics, so you don't have to. We are The Elucidators. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Elucidators. I, as always, am your host, Steve Pally, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Sumi Chatterjee. How are you doing, Sumi? I'm doing well, Steve. Happy Thanksgiving coming up. Happy almost Thanksgiving. That's right. We are coming to you uh, Tuesday afternoon, November 26th, and we wanted to get in a little pre-holiday update. For you. you know, we always say that we're going to continue monitoring all these different situations. Uh, we've been doing that for 16 weeks now. Uh, but today we're doing something a little bit special. Uh, we're going to go back to the site of our second ever recording. Uh, where are we today, Sumi? We're in Hong Kong. Awesome. We're back in Hong Kong. It's so good to be back. Why are we back in Hong Kong? It's not good to be back because the situation
1: there has gotten much, much worse.
0: Oh man! Well, like worse in some ways, and maybe better in others. I mean, it could. We'll get into it. It,
1: It's possible that things are, in fact, we're in the stage of things get worse before they get better. It's possible we are in the overall period of getting better, but right now things are worse.
0: Yeah, much depends on reactions from Beijing, uh, and we'll get into that first. I think we should probably do a quick. Previously On, uh, just for those who uh, may not have listened to our old episode on Hong Kong, Sooms, you want to give us a quick Previously On Hong Kong? Yeah, absolutely. Previously, previously. 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 Uh,
1: previously on Hong Kong, uh, for the last six months, 26 weeks, there have been protests in Hong Kong that stem from a controversial bill That would allow uh, criminals to be extradited to China, which has been a source of major, major uh, unrest in Hong Kong, because Hong Kongers felt like this was just uh, a little bit of theater so that people in Hong people in China could take anyone they want from Hong Kong.
0: Exactly. And that's a big deal because Hong Kong is kind of suspended in between two worlds, Right. That's right. Uh, To do a previously,
1: previously on Hong Kong. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's where we are, right? So Hong Hong Kong occupies this weird space, both uh, in the world and politically. Here's the very short version of Hong Kong. after uh, ninety nine years of being under British control in nineteen ninety seven uh, this process began in which Hong Kong would be returned to uh, to Chinese control over a fifty year period. The details of what that uh, handover would be were largely to be determined by both Hong Kong people and the People's Republic of China. this right. was, yeah. This was a challenge because China is famously communist, and Hong Kong was operating
0: as a, a semi-democratic state at that point. Semi-democratic, more of an oligarchy, uh, no popular sovereignty. Steve,
1: remind everyone what an oligarchy is?
0: That is ruled by a few groups, um, usually elite groups, as opposed to democracy, which is uh, you know one person, one vote generally. Uh, and we'll get further into that. Um, But uh, yeah, you've done a great job setting the table for us on Hong Kong. Real fast, Hong Kong is, what is it, seven to eight million people in an area the size of Rhode Island? Yeah, it's a little bit.
1: Yeah, so seven and a half million people, an area a little bit smaller than Rhode Island, uh, but it punches, so not okay. This is not the the most important state based on those the, its size or its population, but it punches way above its weight class in terms of economic output. It's home to one of the five, six biggest
0: uh, stock exchanges in the world. That's right. Major financial center, um, Pearl of the Orient, uh, just a really awesome world city that has basically been on fire with protests for six months, and we are returning to it, and uh, What happened most recently in Hong Kong that's so important?
1: All right. So over the weekend, there were peacefully held elections in Hong Kong over district council seats. Now, okay, these are like neighborhood council level seats. They deal with potholes and traffic lights, local issues. But what was important about it Was that pro democracy, which is to say anti Chinese, anti communist, pro democracy candidates won 85% of the seats that were up for election?
0: Holy crap. And that's coming from the last election of this type in 2015, where basically pro China candidates uh, were pretty much in control, right? Yeah,
1: that's right. The pro-China candidates in the 2015 elections, uh, they did much better than the pro-democracy uh, uh, candidates. But the other part is turnout basically doubled from, it had more than doubled between 2015 and now.
0: Right. So we have 3 million people voting in what amounts to glorified what district Council elections, so so uh, stuff like uh, what color are the trash bins and yeah. where do crosswalks go, right? Yeah. So ordinarily, not something that people get super fired up about. Yeah, the in- like half of the entire city came out and voted in these, and not only did twice as many people vote, they voted overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly for what's called the gold faction, the pan democrats, the people, uh, the political factions that want uh, more independence from China and a more democratic Hong Kong, as opposed to the blue faction, uh, which has been in control of Hong Kong for a long time, including in 2015. Um, basically, the swing was 50 points, 50 points in favor of the golds, the pro democrats, uh, in between. 2015 and 2019. So an overwhelming electoral landslide basically moving from comfortable control of pro-China elements all the way to uh supermajority, absolute mm-hmm. control That's right. of of the uh, of the Pan Democrats.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it absolutely should be noted that the big takeaway from these low-level political elections these low-level elections is the following. The most important political force in Hong Kong today is the pro-democracy force. That is not in dispute.
0: Yeah, it's it's certainly the case that uh, the pro-democrats have made tremendous political gains. And uh, it was not actually clear uh, the last time we talked about Hong Kong that this would be the case, right? We thought that maybe Hong Kongers would be getting sick of stuff being on fire, people being in the streets, um, especially because the sort of violence level uh, present in the protests has been escalating uh, since we last checked in uh, more than three months ago. Yeah, that's right. Um,
1: anyone that's been on the social medias and seen any th- any of the video, the individual uh, citizen journo videos that have been made of the protests, particularly the protests over the weeks leading up to these elections, saw some some pretty horrific stuff. Uh, Steve, uh can you tell tell everyone a little bit about the Polytechnic University protests and the
0: oh my God. stand-in that happened there? Or sorry, the Yeah, I happened. mean, this is some of the craziest shit ever. Uh How when it comes to protests. At least at least in recent history, um I think the only way to de- way to describe it is that the the gold protesters, so the the young pro-democracy protesters uh got medieval on the cops asses uh and i mean that literally they actually <laughs> barricaded themselves in chinese polytechnic universities grounds um so this is one of the top universities in hong kong which also makes it one of the top universities in asia um they took over the grounds barricaded themselves inside uh and built homemade catapults on the grounds to launch projectiles at the cops outside what? not only that yeah Straight up catapults, medieval catapults. And not only that, some of them were archers. They had bows and arrows and they were shooting arrows at the cops who of course are, are armed with firearms, right? And I saw a picture, one of the, one of the cops took an arrow to the calf and it punched right through his calf. Um, like, so this oh, is serious. Shit. Yeah. Like these guys were basically on the ramparts as it were of this university they're on the walls of this university shooting at the cops with bows and arrows and launching catapult projectiles uh at at the police so it has
1: to be said if you're going to storm engineering castle prepare for them to the engineers to improvise some rather impressive weapons
0: yeah i like i don't think that i could necessarily put together my own catapult out of found objects um You know, even watching YouTube videos and stuff, I'd have a hard time doing that. But these kids, uh, there were several hundred of them barricaded in this university, and they just assembled a bunch of catapults out of like trees and and springs that they found and pieces of metal and stuff like this. It's crazy. It's like Mad Max type shit.
1: Yeah, there's a 0% chance I would even think to think about how could I get a catapult together.
0: Yeah, But it, it, at the same time, it kind of makes sense because uh, the cops have been increasingly violent to themselves um, in responding to the protesters. Uh, we've seen a lot of videos and pictures of nobody dying necessarily. In fact, it's kind of a small miracle or maybe f- medium sized miracle that nobody's actually been killed in these That's protests. Somebody fell, yep. off a, somebody fell off a building, um, but, but the cops have not killed anybody that we're aware of. Uh, they shot somebody with live ammo. Uh, who was hospitalized but has not died. But, but no deaths in these protests, but like plenty, plenty of like jackbooted tactics uh, from the from the police, uh, smashing people with clubs, shooting gas canisters at people, um, you know, grinding their faces into the ground while being arrested. Uh, protesters have been getting their asses handed to them in a not very nice way. A uh, lot of violence. So it's not surprising that uh, they've responded in kind Kind of in homemade fashion, right? But uh, they felt like they've had to do something. And that came out in the form of homemade catapults.
1: And it should be noted that, you know, as even though the protests have gotten hotter and hotter since we talked about it in August, the elections that were, you know, the impetus for doing this episode, the elections went off peacefully. That can't be ignored,
0: right? No, it, it shouldn't be ignored. People actually peacefully assembled and they voted. Uh, in favor of the Democrats, these these young protesters that have been putting their, their asses literally on the line um, and getting beat up and arrested and having their futures compromised. Um, the rest of the city turned out in a huge, I guess you could call it a gold wave, right? This was a wave election. Um, and, you know, we'll get into how much this really means, um, you, given, um, you know, the fact that Hong Kong is not a democracy, and this is pretty much the only direct election that they get is for these district councils. But nevertheless, symbolically, it's just huge. Yeah,
1: it is. It is absolutely huge. And it needs to be discussed further, which we'll do after the break.
0: All right, let's take a quick break. Hello, valued listeners. If you like what you're hearing on The Elucidators, please do us a solid and tell everyone you know about the podcast. If you really love us, please also feel free to read us five stars on your podcast store, be it iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever, and write us a glowing review, because we rely on your positive feedback and word of mouth to grow and improve. And if you have comments or questions... Email us at all one word, the at gmail.com or tweet us at the underscore elucidators. We may even answer your question on the show. And we're back. Okay. Um, so we've run down the previously on Hong Kong. Uh, we've run down the elections and the siege of Polytechnic University. Um, let's get into get uh, the nitty gritty, the implications of what has happened here. Uh, and whether or not things are going to change in Hong Kong, right? And I think we should probably start with a, a little bit more examination into what the Chinese are saying about this, right?
1: Yeah, uh, that's that's completely reasonable. So a couple things. First, and it, this can't be ignored. It By all accounts, it appears that the Chinese were entirely taken by surprise at the at the electoral results, which is That's bananas, right? Yeah, like twenty <laughs> it's a bad look, right? Twenty six weeks into these elections, the Chinese did not expect that in these low level elections there'd be one record turnout and two that pro China forces would get walloped.
0: Yeah, like again, three months ago, the expectation was sort of that. Well, this is going to fizzle out because people are going to get sick of these. You know these people in the streets vandalizing stuff, setting things on fire, fighting with the cops. It's bad for business. And in fact, it's been very bad for business. Hong Kong is now in a recession and tourism is down in a way that's really hurting the city's economy. Um, So uh, the silent majority, quote unquote, silent majority of Hong Kongers is going to be like, all right, we're sick of this. We need to get back to business. We don't support you guys. Uh, And in fact, the exact opposite has happened. The silent majority has come out and overwhelmingly supported the pro-democrats. Uh, Xi Jinping caught with his pants down, right? Pretty much. To, to tack on to why
1: this is so just shocking that the Chinese expected to have a different electoral outcome is the following. Like Usually when we talk about political protests, we tend to think about like, oh, there's university students, young people that are politically disaffected or folks that are worried about the future. That's The population of protesters is far broader and more diverse in Hong Kong. It's not just university students, it's students in middle school that are in the streets. It's professionals. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, there's footage that you can see of like 12 and 13 year olds in the streets. It's also that professionals, doctors, lawyers when the a broad swath of the country's lawyers the the legal representatives are in the streets protesting it adds credence to the movement
0: yeah, and we've, we've even had a few billionaires out there, right? We've had a few oligarchs out there getting like, not necessarily beat up, but breathing tear gas and stuff.
1: That's right. There is a, it was the week before last, uh, Freed Zakaria on a show on CNN had one of these billionaire media tycoons in Hong Kong. Who's, who was He was interviewed and he said, yes, I'm out there on the streets because Hong Kong is unique and we have to preserve this thing. This is right. This is across the society there.
0: Yeah, and Xi Jinping and and his crew, uh, the Politburo, just completely whiffed on this one, right? Um, and I have a theory about why this is. Oh, I love uh, your theories.
1: Hit me, Steve. Why do you think they whiffed?
0: So I think they whiffed because Xi Jinping is a scary dude. Okay. He's a scary dude. Yeah. What does that mean? He's purged a ton of people through his, quote-unquote, anti-corruption measures, right? Um, so... He has established absolute power in China. We've talked about this a lot, right? He's basically the emperor of China. What he says goes. Um, So people are scared shitless of this guy for good reason, and they don't want to give him bad news, right? You don't want to be the the bearer of bad news. And so when that happens, uh, the guy at the center tends to get bad information. Uh, Xi Jinping does have a man in Hong Kong. Uh, He has a, a central government functionary who basically, from what I've read, Hangs out in like an armored tower in the middle of Hong Kong. It's like behind barriers and stuff. And this guy is supposed to be reporting back on conditions on the ground in Hong Kong. He obviously didn't do that <laughs> or anywhere close to it. Carrie Lam, the chief executive of Hong Kong, answers to Xi Jinping at, and has visited with him on several occasions over the past several months. Um, she probably had an inkling of what was going on, but she also didn't tell him what was going to happen. Right. Uh, so I would imagine that we should see, uh, most of Xi Jinping's people in Hong Kong, uh, disappear, uh, perhaps because they've been uh, found guilty of corruption sometime in the pretty near future. Right.
1: Yeah. The whole thing is bananas. Like, okay, I, I am sympathetic to the argument you're putting forth, which is when you have one person at the top. You better, they want to be taken care of and it's hard to tell them bad news. Okay, I'm sympathetic to this. But on the other hand, the regular Chinese person has access to the the controlled, the government controlled internet. That doesn't apply to Xi Jinping and people at the top. They have access to Western media. They have access to good reporting that showed this was going to go down. That he was insulated from this, or that the or that his people just didn't see this coming, or maybe they did and just didn't tell him. Both of those are terrible.
0: Yeah. So to be clear, this is this is a guy who has basically ordered that he be called, you know, the great helmsman. Um sorry, one more time. The great helmsman. All right, I need you to say uh, the the great leader and helmsman of of (laughs) the Chinese of the of the Communist Party and the Chinese people. Uh. Uh yeah and and so yeah he he has established a personality cult and put major effort into cultivating it um he cannot be seen as anything other but infallible and all knowing right and this is a pretty clear indication to everybody in china outside of china in hong kong taiwan you name it uh that he is neither of those things it's a bad look
1: yeah um you know, moments ago I was laughing at the great helmsman, but now that you've described it a little more, I demand that you call me the great helmsman from here on out.
0: Mm, you're a mediocre helmsman, uh, and you're- you know what? You know what?
1: No, I, I prefer to be the mediocre helmsman. Look, I don't want people. <laughs> I don't. I don't want people. Uh, joking aside, I don't want people in my inner circle telling me what I want to hear. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I like psychological abuse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I dole I that out in spades, uh, as we know. And I but yeah, we've, we've seen this principle apply here in the United States where we have our own uh, sort of temporary great leader figure in the form of uh, President Trump, who, uh, by all accounts, uh, demands flattery, uh, not only is susceptible to it, but demands it and uh, is not into hearing bad news from anybody for, for any reason. Uh, so he tends to be caught by surprise by a lot of stuff, right?
1: Yeah, uh, I think this is bizarrely one of the benefits of him being a media and social media uh, consumer (laughs) Yeah, is is that he gets a balance. Like He doesn't want to hear bad news face-to-face, but he goes online or goes into the media where he gets it.
0: Uh, Anyway, nonetheless. He also blocks a lot of people on Twitter. Uh, Although, by all accounts, he does still read the New York Times, so we got that going for us. Uh, Yes, Xi Jinping caught by surprise. Carrie Lam probably not by surprise but what is she doing about this what what does she had to say
1: well i mean she's trying uh, it's pretty benign what she's trying to say she says she's seriously going to reflect on the results and she's is try- she
0: gonna is she gonna give these people any more concessions there are no. five demands right yeah. what are the demands
1: so back when the protest kicked off protesters demanded five things the first was the withdrawal of the extradition bill which we talked check about. They got that. They got that. Number two, a commission of inquiry into alleged police brutality. Fail. Okay. Three, they wanted a retraction of the classification of the protesters as rioters. Fail. Uh, Four, they wanted amnesty for arrested protesters. Fail. And five, they wanted dual universal suffrage, meaning both the legislative council, which uh, which is their body of representatives the semi-democratic body of representatives, and the chief executive, Carrie Lam, would be directly elected by the Hong Kong people.
0: Yeah, I'm going to call that a big fail. Uh, So we're at one out of five, right? Are there any prospects whatsoever for items two through five uh, being being, uh, given up by Carrie Lam?
1: Well, it's going to be tough to – so the big one is obviously number five, universal suffrage in which the legislative council and the chief executive are both directly elected by the people. Real quick, remember right. remember from the last episode, the legislative council is semi-democratic uh, in that only – I think it's like 30 or 40% of the seats are – are, are a direct representative of Hong Kong industry people, almost all of whom are pro oligarchs. Yeah, they're yeah. oligarchs and pro China because of the size of China's democracy and it, and it directly benefits them. And uh, this is why the people, the regular folks, are one of the reasons they're upset. And the Legislative right. Council, which is pro-China because of its bizarre bizarre composition, therefore picks the chief executive, and the chief executive is also pro-China. That's Carrie Lam. So the question was, is there a chance of universal suffrage, meaning that both the Legislative Council and the Legislative Council that chooses the chief executive, could they be directly elected by the people? I have to be honest, I don't know that that'll happen happen. But frankly, I'm more confident that it will happen than I was 14 weeks ago when we first talked about Hong Kong, because these protesters ain't going anywhere.
0: No, nah, they're not going anywhere, uh, especially after uh, the news from the United States uh, in recent days, right? Um, now, the Hong Kong protesters have been doing things like waving American flags and basically asking uh, the United States to come in and protect them. To do something to save Hong Kong, uh, an independent Hong Kong, and and uh, basically promote democracy, which is something that the United States has done historically for a very long time, right?
1: Yeah, it was a pillar of American foreign policy throughout the Cold War, and I mean, basically 1945 through present,
0: right? And and uh, in the case of China, uh, you know, it's certainly uh, we've protected Taiwan, an independent Taiwan, uh, to this point, and. You know, we've made noises uh, about protecting some of China's neighbors as well. Um, you know, we we haven't done much about Tibet and and Xinjiang uh, to this point, but yeah, it's like um, we have in the past sort of uh, protected democratic elements outside of China. Um, what are we? What have we been doing about Hong Kong to this point? What has the Trump administration done, if anything?
1: Right. So the president himself has talked tough. Uh, to Xi Jinping about if there were any military actions on Hong Kong, he basically he said, uh, and this part is a direct quote. He warned she uh, he warned she not to get involved. He said she has quote a million soldiers standing outside of Hong Kong that aren't going in only because I asked him. Please don't do that. You'll be making a big mistake. It's going to be a tremendous negative impact on a trade deal. And he uh, the being she wants to make a trade deal uh con- right. Congress, for its part, by the way, passed the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act with near unanimous near unanimity. It passed both houses of Congress
0: uh This has passed Congress unanimously, both houses and is now sitting on trump's desk, and he's either going to sign it or he's going to veto it if he vetoes it. It seems like Congress is just going to override his veto anyway, right?
1: Yeah, it looks like there is enough uh, bipartisan congressional support to override a Trump veto. And it's also kind of unclear because, because of, frankly, the way the president talks sometimes, how willing he is to use the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy
0: Act as a, uh, as a lever in negotiations for a trade deal. The problem is that we're getting close to our own election here in the United States. That's right. And Trump actually needs this deal, too. And Xi Jinping knows that because uh, the trade war has been hurting uh, certain states uh, with agricultural uh, constituents uh, that he, whose votes Trump needs for re-election. Um, so that uh, kind of degrades his credibility in, in this uh, in this respect. Nevertheless, it seems like this is going to become a law either way. So he might as well sign it, right?
1: Yeah, uh, he probably should. But again, this fella is a little bit unpredictable.
0: Yeah, we don't know what he's going to do. But uh, point stands like this has been a big double whammy uh, to Xi Jinping's dome, basically. The elections, uh, which were a 50 point swing in favor of the Hong Kong Democrats, followed up by the near unanimous passage of the Democracy and Human Rights Act for Hong Kong uh, in the United States Congress. Um, So he has absorbed basically uh, a one-two combo uh, within the last, what, four days, something like that.
1: Yeah, it's uh, both of these fellows, Mr. Trump and uh, President Xi are, excuse me, the great
0: helmsman Xi, are having a, having a tough go of it. Well, let's get into our our new segment. Uh, we have a new segment this week. Sure uh, do. It's called, yep, it's called Next Time On, right? We do previously on, now we're going to do Next Time On, and we're going to talk about what we think is going to happen uh, in, in kind of uh, coming weeks in Hong Kong, after this crazy election result and the passage of this uh, this bill, which is a, a double middle finger to Xi Jinping, in the in the U.S. Congress. Um, so I'm going to go back to the question I asked you earlier: uh, Do we think that either Xi Jinping or Carrie Lam is going to give the protesters anything else after this result?
1: The protesters have all the resolve. And they have plenty of leverage to keep on protesting. And when when Hong Kongers, the Hong Kong people, look at they, – they don't have restricted information like mainland uh, the mainland Chinese do. When they look at the way that the Chinese have cracked down on Tibet, the way that they are threatening towards Taiwan, the way that they have cracked down on uh, Muslim Uyghurs in uh, Xinjiang, Xinjiang – uh, that there's a million Muslims in re-education camps, or as the Chinese call them, job
0: training centers. Uh, yeah, branding the, expert uh, Xi Jinping oh, and his uh, his job training centers. Yeah, it's right? so bad. <laughs>
1: Part of your job training is learn to do different dances and don't don't maintain any of your uh, your culture. That's job. Yeah. Training. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, if you're in Hong Kong and you're looking at these things and you're thinking. We're just another uh, borderland to the Han mainland, and we're going
0: to slowly get absorbed into this mess? No. Real quick, the the Han Chinese is the main ethnic group in, in China.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good clarification. But the Hong, this is part of the Hong Kongers' resolve, is that they can say, no, we're not going to go the way of the Uyghurs or the Tibetans or the way you want the Taiwanese to go. The other part of this is, you know, from 1997 through 2047, there's this 50 year bizarre handover, and it's summed up in the slogan of one country, two systems. And so the Hong Kongers are right now basically saying, we don't want one country, two systems. We want two systems we want our system to be democratic we want our free access to the internet we want to be able to have direct election direct elections where we choose who represent us we don't want to be part of china
0: right there's no no shortage of resolve there okay there's no shortage of resolve uh let's flip to the other side i think you're wrong and i'm going to tell you why uh i don't think that xi jinping has to do shit i don't think he's going to do anything I think that he is basically going to sit here and, and uh, do nothing. Uh, he may fire Carrie Lam uh, and install some new puppet, right? Um, I think he probably has to do that at this point, just because she's done such a terrible job and uh, it's time for a pawn sacrifice. Uh, but there are plenty more where she came from. Um, yes, I would imagine that the protesters will be back on the street. Yes, I would imagine that they will get more violent over time. Uh, however, um, I think that Xi Jinping would rather see Hong Kong shrivel up and die than reverse course towards one country, the one country part of that one country, two systems formula, um, that is the only way it fits with everything else that he's doing. And he's certainly... How do you make them shrivel up and die, though? They've got this big well, stock market. There's lots of international business interests there. Hong uh, Kong- I'm glad you asked. I'm yeah. glad you asked. So uh, Hong Kong is in a recession right now. Tourism is down. Everything's on fire. Businesses are closed, the ones that haven't been looted. Um, it's not doing well, man. That recession, if prolonged, will probably turn into a depression, and Hong Kong will start to empty out. Yeah,
1: look, I can't fight you on those on the two points about uh, economic recession or tourism being down, but the Hong Kong stock exchange is up on the year. Like it's (laughs) taking. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, it's. But that's my point: is that okay? Hong Kong is, is an international business hub, and as long as that is the case, it
0: has tremendous value. And she's not going to kill the Golden Goose. Here's the thing, though. Uh, he's not killing the Golden Goose. The Golden Goose is is sick, right? And it's going to get sicker. Uh, but it's still laying golden eggs. You actually just made uh, my point for me by saying that the stock market is up. If you believe I'm that I'm the great Helmsland, the-
1: don't you contradict me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I don't want to contradict you because you're making my points for me. It's awesome. I don't have to do anything. Um, Helmsland doesn't so stand for he-
1: this sass. <laughs>
0: The uh, if you believe if you believe that uh, Xi Jinping only cares about the stock market part of Hong Kong, I don't think that's true. I think he cares about the rest of it, too. Uh, but Hong Kong is not as big of a deal categorically uh, to China as it used to be 22 years ago uh, when uh, the, the takeover started. Yes, the stock market is still important, but the stock market is also doing fine. The stock market doesn't necessarily need the city to flourish around it to continue bringing in money. Uh, I think we've actually already proven that, right? The city is actually in a recession and the stock market's doing fine. So Xi Jinping can just be like, no, you're not getting demands two through five. We're going to continue having Hong Kong be an oligarchy and we're going to move it towards autocracy.
1: Okay. So uh, counterpoints. First uh, I will say this Uh, during episode two, you talked about intervention, uh, a military, a Chinese military intervention, right, uh, into Hong Kong, being along the lines of an economic 9/11. I still,
0: I still, I still think that's the case. By the way, go right. ahead.
1: Okay, but the the point being you 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 made a you took an extreme hypothetical of full military intervention into into Hong Kong by the Chinese and used it to illustrate the point that econo- that undermining the Hong Kong stock exchange that economically disrupting the flow of Hong Kong was would be
0: tremendously detrimental it would hurt china well, it would be also a PR disaster to do that, right? Uh, but that would be, a, to put it mildly, an extreme shock, yeah. right? That would yeah. be a, like a massive one-off Tiananmen Square type event. And just keeping Hong Kong where it is and not allowing it to move uh, is a much lower impact proposition, right? That is less of a PR disaster and less of a like massive economic shock to the world system.
1: So I want to make... Two points based off of what you said. One, you talk about a PR disaster. Uh, China has got PR disasters happening in spades right now.
0: And yeah, they do.
1: Yeah. Uh, they have massive environmental issues. Everyone worries about their air, but they've lost something like half of their rivers over the last 50 years. That's one mm-hmm. thing. Another thing that's happening is... After – in 2012, 2013 when uh, it looks like the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the largest free trade agreement amongst Pacific states was about to go through – Xi Jinping announces One Belt, One Road, which is basically the Chinese response to TPP, which says, "Okay, if all these Pacific Rim countries are going to start free trading together, we are going to launch a massive infrastructure project that will go across Asia and into Europe, and they've since then expanded that into uh, into the Arctic,
0: all of which and is, also Africa, yeah, don't forget Africa,
1: right? So, what he's talking about is hemispheric domination now." If you are a country, okay, say you're one of these Central Asian countries with uh, that's resource-rich and you've got a dictator running it, fine. You're okay with strongman tactics like letting the golden goose choke itself to death. Fine, you're okay with that. But some of those some of those infrastructure projects, in fact, many of them, don't go through autocracies. They go through democracies. They go through places that are fighting or have fought to have liberal values. And they're gonna see this kind of strongman shit and say, wait a second, this is the fellow we want building our ports, airports, and roads, and we want them doing it with Chinese workers and Chinese companies. Okay. I'm not sure that this comes, this, uh, this good doesn't come with an authoritarian tax that I'm not willing to stomach. Long story short, Xi Jinping has bigger international goals and managing China's image abroad is in fact a very important thing to him. So fucking with Hong Kong might in fact be a dumb move for that reason.
0: So yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree that Belt and Road is certainly an important international initiative and you know, restoring China to greatness. The question is how this connects to Hong Kong, right? And whether he is willing to undermine his domestic power structure and his domestic legitimacy in service of that foreign stuff you were just talking about by making concessions to these recalcitrant demonstrators in Hong Kong. This is a guy that has brooked no dissent whatsoever, ever, uh, in his tenure as the leader of China. Uh, You really think he's going to start now?
1: So I talked about the one China, one country, two systems thing. Uh, Right now, he has a little bit of capacity to say, look, the Hong Kongers that are protesting, they're focused on the second part, two systems. Well, I'm focused on the first part, the one country, and you all agreed to eventually become one country. So, I actually think that there is, in fact, half a loaf for each of the two sides here. Which Xi Jinping, yes, it would go against his uh, his 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 historical actions. the The line on Xi Jinping is. OK, fine, you can punch me, but I'm going to I'm going to punch you two, three, four, five, ten times as hard. So, yes, he's not a guy to 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 take guff. But no, I think that there is an opportunity here, given the amount of resolve that uh, that the Hong Kongers have, that if they're not going to quit until the Chinese roll the tanks into the streets, that you just get ahead of this while you can and turn Hong Kong into a somewhat chinese controlled singapore and say you can have your own culture your own systems your own democracy but like it is now everything ends up coming through china you can you can have your own internet you can have your free expression you can have your liberal values but we're going to absolutely have chinese uh, chinese rule over you and one of the ways that the chinese can do this is what they're kind of doing now we say there's seven and a half million people in Hong Kong. Well, two million of those are mainland Chinese. You just keep Mm -hmm. bringing in more Chinese into Hong Kong and you you dilute the population. And when it gets peaceful again, you can then readdress under different terms.
0: Uh, That's one way to do it. Another way of thinking about that is to flip it on its head and say, you import mainland Chinese and they get infected with democracy right? And then you have Taiwanese, which you don't want. Um, so I am sympathetic to your argument. I actually would like to live in the world that you're describing, uh, where a compromise is possible. And Xi Jinping, uh, you know, Pooh Bear of, of the Chinese Communist Party, uh, the great helmsman, whatever he wants to be called or not called, um, you know, is able to brook a little bit of dissent when he has to, and it's okay. Uh, and we can move forward and uh, just kick this can down the road to 2047. Um, I want to live in that world. I don't think that we do. Um, I think that what is most likely is a hardening of his own resolve uh, and and Chinese resolve. And basically, he's going to say, you guys can do whatever you want. Let the chips fall where they may. Uh, I'm not giving you anything. You can burn Hong Hong, Hong Kong down slowly for all that I care. If things get really, really bad, then there will be soldiers on the streets. Yes. Uh, I don't think they will. I'm going to place a bet that uh, the Hong Kongers writ large uh, will see that they cannot escape and they will stop fighting uh, before they burn the whole place down themselves. Um, but, I mean, this is the core disagreement and we're going to see what happens, right? Yeah,
1: let's, uh, let's continue to monitor
0: the situation we always do okay that's it for this week thanks a lot man yeah happy thanksgiving yeah happy thanksgiving talk next week